Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. You may not know this, but we had, this past summer, we had a team from First Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia, come and help us with camp this summer. And one of the guys that was on that team is a guy by the name of Jacob. He's the guy sitting there in the Top Gun shirt, uh, right in the front and in the middle. And uh, he has actually come, and he's at our church. He's going to be spending two years with us. He's going to be helping us. He's going to be an intern for us. And so we're excited about this. He, he got here just a, a few days ago. And over this past week, he and I have been talking about, we had a conversation, and we were talking about how the South and the West are different. And so if you grew up in the South or you have grandma that's in the South, you know that. Uh, and, and so if you grew up in the South, you know they talk a little bit different. You, you have a friend that lives in Tennessee that you may need a translator to understand exactly. Uh, they eat a little bit of different food. Uh, some kind of some comfort food, and maybe when you go visit the South, you're like, hey, we're going to get some of that. Uh, and they also have some maybe different values. They, they have some different things that their perspectives in the South. And, and one of the things that I've in, in the South, because I grew up there, is they say when, when somebody says, hey, little boy, would you go and, and do this, or would you run over here? The next thing that person says is, yes, ma'am. Or yes, sir. So when I was growing up, if, if yes, ma'am and yes, sir didn't come out of my mouth, like that wasn't going to go well for me. And so I just grew up. Man, I still say that to people. Like I'll say it to like a 23-year-old waitress, yes, ma'am, because I'm so used to that. But when I, I met my wife, who's from California, I met her in New York at college, that wasn't a big deal to her. And I was like, what kind of sinful childhood did you have where you didn't say yes ma'am and yes sir to people and and, and so we we have uh, with our kids it's like with if they're with me like uh, say yes ma'am say yes sir but but for her it was different like yeah that's just not a big deal she thought that kind of sounds weird but and, and maybe you have you know family or friends that live in the south and you understand that but in different parts of the country or different parts of the world there's different perspectives there's things that are important to some people that maybe aren't important to other people, different values that people have. If you've ever traveled overseas, you, you know that, man, overseas, maybe they have different beliefs or different values, and, and it's important if you're moving to a new area, and this is what Jacob and I were talking about, that you get to know what those people believe and value. And whether it's traveling overseas like maybe you've done or maybe traveling to a different part of our country or whether it's just working with people at your work that maybe had a different upbringing than you, one of the things that's true, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is this. People's beliefs lead to their values, which leads to their behavior. 
So if you look at somebody and, and, and in, the, in a different part of the world and they, they behave a different way than maybe what you're used to, it's because they probably have different values than you do because they probably believe different things than you do because beliefs impact values and what we value impacts how we act, how we behave. And it's why over these past few weeks as we begun uh, kind of this new year, we have been walking through as a church, what are the things from Scripture that we value? What do we believe from Scripture? And then based on those beliefs, what's important to us? What do we value? And so we've taken time to do that. And today, the last one that we're going to talk about and, and the most important value that we have as a church, nothing more important than this, is we value Jesus. And here's what we mean when we say we value Jesus. When, when we say that Jesus is one of our values, you'd be like, duh. Like you're a church. Yeah, of course Jesus is. But here's what we mean. When we say we, we, have, we place value on Jesus, he's one of our values, here's what we mean. Jesus is our lead story. And here's what I mean. We believe what we believe because of Jesus. We teach the way we teach because of Jesus. We invest in what we invest in as a church because of Jesus. We treat people the way we do because of Jesus. There would be no greater compliment to our church than that we are a Jesus church. And so, man, I hope that, that Jesus is and hopefully will always be the lead story of City Walk Church. There's a guy in Scripture, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. There's a guy in Scripture, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. His name was Paul. And Paul was a guy who placed great value on Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 1, he walks through why Jesus is so valuable to him. Colossians is a letter that he was writing, and he's writing to these people in the city of Colossae, and he's telling them, hey, this is why Jesus is above all. This is why Jesus is of great value. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 15. It says this. It says, he talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That word image, it means the exact visible representation of God. See, when Jesus looks in the mirror, not that he looks in the mirror, but if he were to look in the mirror, like when you look in the mirror, you don't see your spouse, Unless they're standing next to you. But, but if you're it's just you in the room and you go, you know, you're getting ready for work, you're getting ready for, for a church, whatever you're about to go to. And when you go look in the mirror, you would probably freak out if, if when you looked in the mirror, you saw someone that wasn't you. Like you look in the mirror and you see you. When Jesus looks in the mirror, he sees God. There was one of his disciples named Philip, that said to Jesus, he said, hey, Jesus, we want to see God the Father. We, we want to see the Father. 
And here's what Jesus said. In John 14, 9, he says, The one who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus and Paul wanted these people to understand this because, man, it's a pretty big deal. Is Jesus just like a good man? Was he a prophet? Like, did he just do some really nice things? Uh, Was he a humanitarian? Like, who is Jesus? And Paul wanted these people to know, you know what? One of the reasons that we value Jesus so highly is because Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He goes on and he says this. He says, the firstborn over all creation. So here's what he means by that. This idea of firstborn, he means, it doesn't mean that he was literally born first. It means that he was of highest priority. That Jesus is the highest priority. He's supreme over the created order. And he goes on in verse 16, he says this. And this is, this is interesting to think about. For everything... Everything? Yeah, everything. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And then he says this. He says, He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. If you grew up watching like sci-fi movies, if you got like any sci-fi fans in here and and you were watching a a movie, and there's all kind of different movies out there, but you ever watch a movie? I remember watching a movie where, and I was on the edge of my seat, Bruce Willis was in the movie, there's a really good song that came out of this movie. And it was about an asteroid that was coming towards the earth. And it ends very sadly for Ben Affleck Flack at the end. And and, no, actually, Bruce is the one that dies at the end. But but, uh, not to ruin it for you, but if you've ever seen the movie Armageddon, so a really good song comes out of it. But but if. Yeah, and maybe it's a different movie, but but you've watched movies, maybe some of our, like the superhero movies where like the asteroids come into the earth or the, the aliens are coming or the villain or, or man, the, the world's about to end. And, and have you ever thought in the back of your mind, like, what if that really happened? Like, like who's keeping the asteroid from hitting the earth? Like, could that really happen? Maybe you've watched uh, something else, and, and as you, you're watching, you're like, you know what? I, I, who, who's keeping, like, I see the sun, and it, it gets hot on some days, but, but, like, who's keeping the earth so it doesn't get a little closer to the sun, and we're all, like, torched, or, or like, a little farther away, and we're all, like, snowmen? Like, who's, who's doing this? And if you lay up in bed and think about this stuff, if you're not careful, you start to worry like, man, there's a lot of things I'm assuming out there that just happen. That if they don't happen, I don't exist anymore. And here's what Paul was saying to these people. Hey, don't lose sleep because not only did Jesus create it, but he's the one that holds it together. He's the one that, man, the earth isn't going to get any closer to the sun unless Jesus wants it to. He is God. He is the person that was part of creation. And he's the one that's holding things together. And Paul goes on and he says this. He says, 
He says, he, talking about Jesus, is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. And so again, Paul's writing, he's writing to these people, and he's writing this letter from prison. And, and one of the things that he's writing to these people, and he, he just wants to make sure that, man, that Jesus has the, the place that he should have in their life. And, and there were different people, uh, false teachers, that were encouraging them to, like, worship angels and to worship things that, that weren't really God. And, and there was some, some false doctrine around. And so Paul's like, man, let me just come back to the most important thing. And he says, hey, Jesus... He is God. Jesus, he is the creator. He's the one that holds everything together. He sustains everything. He's the most important. He's before all. But then he says, hey, this this body, this, this thing called the church, which basically is all the people that have made a decision to follow Jesus. They become part of this body known as the church. So you have like local churches like this, but then you have a a worldwide movement called the church. And Paul says, you know what, Jesus? He's the head of that body. He's the supreme, the leader, the most important part of that body is the head Jesus. And maybe you've been around situations and maybe it's even been kind of turned you off from the church because you've been places where maybe the arm became the most important part of the body or the foot became the most important part of the body. And and what Paul's saying, you know what? Yeah, we're, we're, we're the body, we're the church, but the most important part of the body it in us. It in, it in this person or this person, their platform and what they're wanting. No, no, no. It, it's not them. It's the, the most important part of the body. The, the, the part of the body that everything else works to glorify is the head. It's Jesus. And Paul reminds them of, man, Jesus is the most important. He's above all things. Then he says this in verse 19, and he, he gets to the part about Jesus that man is maybe even the most special out of all the things that he's already said. He says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And then it says this in verse 20, And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood of shed on the cross. Paul says, hey, let me, let me remind you that something's broken. Something is, is broke. He says, there's, there's something broke between you and God. Sin, and he's referring to sin and how sin entered the world and, and broke the relationship between God and man. And then he he begins to talk about Jesus and and talks about how Jesus is the one that reestablished or restored 
that relationship that, that removed what was in between God and man, removed what had broken the relationship between God and man. Somebody had to take care of it. And Paul says, Jesus is the one that restored He reconciled. He's the one that removed the barrier between God and man. A barrier that man had had actually been the one to put there. And, And he reminds them of this. That because of Jesus, there's the potential now to have peace with God. To go from enemies to children of God. And he says this in verse 21. He kind of... He kind of digs in a little deeper in this area. He says, he says, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. He says, hey, guys, let, let me remind you. There was a time when you were, you were basically giving God the finger. You're like, that sounds kind of messed up. Well, yeah, it was. He says, there was a time that you were hostile towards God, that you were an enemy of God, that you wanted nothing to do with God. He says, remember, I remember when when you were that person. There was this time, and sometimes if we're not careful, we forget what it was like to, to be that. And some of you, and, and, and even in my story, if we look back and we remember how Jesus invaded our lives when we were enemies of God, it's amazing to remember, and it, it reminds us how important Jesus is. And that's what Paul, he, he, he wanted to make this really personal about how, why Jesus is so important. And so he reminds them, man, you used to be hostile. You used to be enemies, when, when, when God was saying, go this way, you used to run that way as fast as you could. And he reminds them. But then he says this. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, without a single fault, and blameless before him. See, at one point, you were an enemy. At one point, you were hostile. At one point, you you wanted nothing to do with God. Because of your sin, you were separated from God. And Jesus came to earth, and he says this, with his physical body, and he did something about it. Jesus lived on this earth 33 years. And at the age of 33, he was nailed to a cross. Not because he had sinned, not because he deserved what he was getting, not because there was anything that, any punishment that he had earned, but he died on the cross. He shed his blood to pay for the sins of us. And Paul's reminding them of this. They took Jesus' body, his dead body, off that cross. They put his body in a grave. Three days after they put his body in the grave, Jesus got up out of the grave, and he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he defeated and stopped and removed what was between God and man. And so here's what Paul says. This is crazy. He says, you know what? 
When God used to look at you, He saw sin. And because of sin, that broke the relationship. But now, between you and God, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He sees the perfection of Jesus. He credits the righteousness of Jesus to you. So now when he looks at you, he sees you as not a pretty good kid. He sees you as perfect. He sees you as faultless because he sees you through his son, Jesus Christ, and his righteousness. And Paul's reminding these people about this, that man, when, when, you, when God sees you because of Jesus, he sees you faultless, blameless, which is crazy because you know you and I know me. You like you for sure. So like my, my wife doesn't look at me that way. My dog doesn't even look at me like that. I mean, it looks at me pretty good. Like I'm, I'm pretty good to my dog, but, but, but nobody sees you faultless. Nobody sees you blameless because you're not. Neither am I. But that's why Jesus came. Because we couldn't be good enough. We couldn't be holy enough. We couldn't be righteous enough. You put whatever word you want in there. And Paul reminds these people of why Jesus is above all. Why he's so valuable. One of the reasons is because he restored the relationship that was broken. And here's what the Bible says. And we're going to do a series later on in the year about future events. So we're going to talk about some of the crazy that's going to happen in the future. And, and you read through Revelations and you're like, is this like a video game playing out? Like, what is this? There's some craziness in this, in this book of the Bible. But here's what we know. At the end of the craziness, and it will be crazy, all that's been broken will be restored. All that's hurting will be healed. All the crying will be gone. All the things in this world that burden you, all the brokenness that we see and all the brokenness that we don't see, and if we did, it would rock our world, it'll be restored. Not because anyone deserves it, not because anyone has earned it, but because Jesus will be king. And he will not just be king, because he is king, but he will rule as king. And Paul, he's, and Paul talks about that in other parts of his writings, but he's, he, he wants to make sure these people in Colossae that are facing a lot of the same pressures, just in different ways that you and I face, that they remember that Jesus is above all. He's the most important. See, in Christ, the accused are unaccused, and the condemned are freed. In Christ, because of Jesus. Paul ends this section in verse 23. He says this, If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, 
This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Paul says, you know what? This, this, this good news, this good news about Jesus restoring the relationship between God and man, all this, this good news, he says, man, this good news is getting out, man. The word is getting out. And, and in this world, when, when word's getting out and to kind of take the message far, the big deal for these people was that the message of Jesus would reach Rome and it would go out from there. And this message of Jesus who, man, was just a few decades old at this point, like Jesus had died and risen from the grave just a few decades earlier, it was getting out like wildfire. And people all over the known world were turning away from false gods and, and they were turning to Jesus. People in the government, people in, in business, slaves, I mean, people, all different people. We're turning to Jesus. And Paul says it this way, and I love how he, he ends this section. He says, me? I've actually become a servant of the good news. My life is dedicated to the good news. See, Paul, he, he remembers. He, he, he remembers when he was an enemy of Jesus. Paul remembers when his goal was to eliminate people who followed Jesus. And Paul remembers how he used to go from city to city and he would put people in jail that were followers of Jesus. He would help people be killed who were followers of Jesus. Paul remembers that. But then he also remembers that something happened on his way one day to stop followers of Jesus. Paul remembers Jesus meeting him and his life never being the same. Paul went from an enemy of Jesus to a servant of Jesus and spent the rest of his life taking the good news to the world. Paul actually gave his life for the message that he used to be an enemy of. And like Paul, as Paul wanted to make Jesus kind of the most important thing in his own life, and he did, and, and as he was writing to these people to remind them that to keep Jesus central, just like Paul, we want to be a gathering that keeps Jesus the lead story. And, and honestly, like I said earlier, there's, there's nothing better or more important that we could do both for ourselves and for our community than to keep Jesus front and center. And, and I, I said this a little bit earlier, referred to this, but maybe that's not what you've experienced in the past. Maybe for, for some of you, maybe you're watching online, you, you've been hurt or you were distracted because a church you went to didn't keep Jesus the lead story. And the lead story stopped being Jesus and it started to be different people's agendas. And so maybe for you, maybe you walked away from the whole thing because you're like, I, I, I didn't come here for an agenda. I, I need hope. I need Jesus. 
And it seems like being here, that's not really what's most important. And so maybe for you, you've experienced something like that where, man, the guy up front, it became less about Jesus and a lot more about kind of whatever they were fired up about in culture. And so you're like, dude, I, I can watch the news and get all these perspectives. I, I actually just wanted Jesus. So maybe you checked out. Or maybe you were hurt because you expected to get hope and you got something else. Maybe for you, it became, you're like, man, if this is what it's about, I don't even know that I really need it. I remember being really burdened for a friend, and uh, this was probably about 10 years ago. We, we lived a different part of the country, and uh, I wasn't a pastor. I was, I was actually working in, in business at that time, and, and I had a friend that I was just burdened for, and, and, you know, just we had had some great conversations, and he had asked some good questions, and I got him a Bible, and, and just was trying to like just tell him about Jesus and and just be a friend to him and and so I invited him to church and and man I remember man that was like a big deal for him which maybe the, maybe you're like that maybe you haven't been to church in a while you're like dude you don't know what it took to get me here today it was a big deal it was I was nervous about it I didn't know if y'all were going to be weird and so you you came in and, and so that's kind of what my friend he was like I I haven't been to church in a long time I don't really know what to expect and I was just excited when I saw my friend come to church until the pastor got up and started railing on his like most current political issue. And I remember just sitting there like, please shut up, please shut up, please. Like, ugh, it just, oh, it just bothered me because I'm sitting there. I'm like, my friend, this is what he thinks this whole thing's about. And this is not what it's about. It's actually what's going to turn him off from ever coming back. And I, I just remember being so burdened about that. And one of the most important things that we can do as individuals and also as a church is make sure that Jesus is front and center, that he is the lead story, because he's the only one who can save. He's the only one that can heal a broken marriage. He's the only one that can give hope to someone who's lost someone close to them. Jesus is the only one who gave his life so that we can have a restored relationship with God. And Paul knew this. In fact, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says this. He says, he's writing to people in Corinth and he says this. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. Paul says, I, when I came to talk to you about Jesus, I didn't try to impress you. I didn't come with a lot, of, like, a lot of knowledge or wisdom. That wasn't what I was about. But he says this, instead, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes on and he says this, I came to you in weakness in fear, and in much trembling. 
My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul, I don't know what you think about Paul. If you grew up in the church, or whether you, whether you did or not, you may have a picture of what Paul made. He wrote part of the, a lot of the New Testament. You probably think, man, he's like this powerful speaker like man he just he was actually probably and I don't mean to be rude but probably pretty ugly uh and it, based on some of the things he says like he wasn't impressive he probably had either some really big problems with his eyes like he had some like disabilities that he struggled through in this passage he says I didn't I don't have a lot of persuasive words. I'm not like super articulate. So, so Paul wasn't this guy that, man, he was just this powerful guy, speaker. Everybody wanted to follow him because he was so charismatic. He was probably the opposite. But yet, how did a guy like Paul literally write most of the New Testament and he has had influence for 2,000 years, probably second only to Jesus as the most influential person in the history of the church. And you know what, Paul? Why, why Paul? One of the big reasons is Paul says, you know what? I came to you with Jesus. I just came to you with Jesus. I didn't come to you with persuasive words. I wasn't the smartest guy in the room. I wasn't the most charismatic guy. I just decided I was going to put all my eggs in the basket of Jesus. And that's what I was going to rely on. See, we have nothing better or more powerful to offer people than Jesus. Which leads me to a, just a simple question that I want to kind of close with. Here's the question. Is Jesus our lead story? So obviously there's a corporate application, but there's also a, an individual application. Like, uh, is Jesus, and let's take the word R out, and let's just say my. Is Jesus my lead story? If you're watching online, is Jesus my lead story? Like, what are you known for? What do people know, know about you? What, what are you known for in the circles you run in? Like, are, are you known for being, like, super passionate about a hobby or politics? Where, you know, like, when you enter the room, people know they're going to hear about and you fill in the blank because that's what your lead story always is. Or is your lead story, and is my lead story, am I known for being a Jesus person? Or am I known for, oh, Chris is super passionate about that and that and that and that. Oh, he also, he, he also has a relationship with Jesus. Is Jesus my lead story? Like, what agenda does my life promote? See, our, our lives promote some agenda. And whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, like, we promote an agenda. And the question is, is my agenda, the agenda that my life promotes with my words and with my example, is it the agenda of Jesus is the lead story? It's a good question to ask, to think about. 
And if you're really brave, ask somebody close to you, what am I known for? Like in in the circle we're in, what do people know me as? And and I don't mean you got to be like some freak. And I I mean, don't take that bad, but I don't don't mean you got to be like the, oh, here's the weird guy. He's coming to the, you know, let's be, uh, see what he says tonight. It's going to be a little crazy. No, but just Jesus wasn't like the weird. He was just a guy that loved people nobody else loved. And he gave hope to people that everybody else turned their back on. And, and, And he basically used his life generously to serve other people. And in the same way with Paul, he's like, man, I, I wasn't trying to come to your city and oppress you with my skills and this or my wisdom and this. I just came humbly with Jesus. That's it. That's all I have. Is Jesus my lead story? Is Jesus your lead story? And if not, there's two words I want you to think about. If you're willing to ask yourself that question and be honest, and if in this season you say, you know what, I don't, I don't really think he is. Yeah, I mean, he's in the maybe top five. Maybe he's even moved up a notch. But I, I wouldn't say he's my lead story. If he's not, two words I want you to think about. The, the first word is this. It's the word repent. And that word basically means change your mind. That's what it means. It means to change your mind and turn away from something. And so if you're, you're here and you're like, man, you know what? Ah, if, I'm, if I'm honest, Chris, I, I don't know that I'm really known for Jesus. I don't know that he's my lead story. The, the first step and really the first thing to think about is this word repent. It's okay. i got to change my mind. i got to change directions. Uh, I got to do it a, a different way. I've got to turn away from some things because something else has been my lead story. And so I need to change my mind about that, turn away from it, and make Jesus the most important thing to me. But then the second thing, and, and this is like a obvious, but is the word relationship. In order to live like Jesus and represent him well, man, we, we got to know Jesus. We got to know him intimately. If you've ever had a, a friend, and obviously you've had a friend, but uh, if you've ever had somebody in your life that you were super close to, and then different seasons of life, maybe they moved away, they changed jobs, and and you never really had a fight or anything. It never ended bad. There was nothing like that. But just over the years, kind of out of sight, out of mind a little bit. And, and so they went from being like your go-to, like you called them all the time, texting them all the time, like they were your person, to they just were out of your life. And, and it, you didn't weren't being mean to them. They weren't being mean to you. But you just just didn't think about them much. They didn't influence you much anymore because they just weren't in your life. And sometimes we do the same thing with Jesus. And and here's we wonder, man, why? Yeah, I think probably Jesus should be the, the most important thing to me, but I don't think he is. And I mean, I go to church a couple times a month. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what else is there. 
And it's almost like that friend that's like, yeah, it's important to you on some level, but they're just kind of out of sight, out of mind. You don't spend time with them. You, you don't know what they love anymore. You don't know what's going on in their life. And so, man, they just, they just aren't on the top of your heart or mind. And Jesus is a similar, to, maybe similar to you. It's just, man, I just don't spend much time with them. And so though I'd love for him to be the, my lead story, I just, I just don't think of them that way. I just don't spend time with them. See, for some of us, if we're honest, we spend time with other things, and they're not bad things. Some of them probably are, but some of them aren't. And, and what we find is that, man, when I spend time in certain areas or watching certain things or listening to certain voices, the agenda they have becomes really high in my life. So you, you probably have that person in your life. I literally got a text from that person in my life today. Not going to say who they are. Uh, they're not, they don't live here, but they send you videos or articles about how the world's going to end. And, I mean, they, they see politics way far to one side, and, and maybe they see it far to the right or to the left. And, man, they, I mean, like Fox News is like their soundtrack, or MSNBC is like the soundtrack for their life. And so, man, like, they're afraid of stuff you didn't even know existed. And they're trying to get you to be afraid of stuff you didn't even know was out there. I mean, their world is rocking because, man, for them, they are, like, taking in something all the time. And it's, it's like the level in their life of how important this stuff is and what they're worried about. It's all based on who they're spending the most time with. And they, they, they love you, and they just want you to, you know, be ready when the world ends, too. And so they, they, they text, or they maybe have that person. And here's what I'm saying. Could Jesus just be that? Could Jesus be the soundtrack of our lives? Could he be the one that we hear from and talk to and that's most important so that as we go through life and we, man, bump into people and we see people, what, what naturally comes out, we're not trying to make it weird. We're not, it's not a big agenda. It's just what naturally comes out because we're spending time with him. And so he's our lead story. And so when our friend's hurting, Jesus comes out. When our friend is moving towards something that they shouldn't be moving to, shame doesn't come out. Jesus comes out. When somebody's going through something that, man, that, that they're really struggling with, and instead of trying to come up with some wisdom or some, something like out there that I Googled, I just point them to Jesus. What, what if that was how life was? And here's what I know, and, and you probably know this too. As you and I get to know Jesus better, we will love him more, and we'll represent him better in this world. So in the sermon today, in the app, if you, maybe you're like, I didn't even know there were sermon notes in the app. Well, there are. Uh, I'm sure all of you have them right in front of you right now. You're writing down notes as fast as you can. But in that, in that part of the sermon today, if you go to the very bottom, there's a Bible reading plan called Who is Jesus? It's a five- or six-day Bible reading plan that, man, I think if, if you're someone that's like, you know what, I, I want to get to know Jesus better 
So he becomes more important to me. I want to encourage you to read that Bible reading plan over the next few days and allow God to work in your heart and watch Jesus go from maybe third or fourth to as you get to know him, he becomes the place that he deserves to be first. He becomes our lead story. And people around us begin to see, you know what? When so-and-so's around, they bring hope into the room. They bring peace into the room. They bring healing into the room. And it's not because they're trying to impress anybody. It's just what they bring into the room because Jesus is their lead story. Let's pray. As we close with every head bowed and every eye closed, and maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here this morning, and, and maybe you're someone that says, Chris, there's been a time in my life where I'm, I became a follower of Jesus. There's a time in my life where I turned away from my sin and I turned away from doing things my way and, and I put my faith in Jesus and what He did for me on the cross. You say, Chris, I've, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. Well, well here's my question. As, as we close, every head bowed and every eye closed, just, just, just a personal question for you and me. Is Jesus your lead story? Is He what you're known for? Is He the agenda you bring into the room? Is He the perspective that guides your life? If not, what's in the way? What's in the way that maybe you'd say, you know what, Chris, he, he's second, he's third, he's fourth, every now and then he, he moves up, but yeah, he, he's not first. So what is first? What is the agenda? What is the most important? And would you just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching this, would you just be willing to turn away from that? And part of turning away from it is just, the first thing is just really admitting that that is an issue. Like, oh man, this is what my lead story has been. And just owning that. And then turning away from it. Would you be willing to do that? And you're, and you're not turning away from it to nothing. You're turning away from it to a relationship. You say, I'm going to stop making this my lead story, and I'm going to turn to Jesus as my lead story, and I'm going to spend more time with Him than I have before. I'm going to get His perspective. Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're a little skeptical of church and religion and all of that. And maybe you've been hurt by the church. Well, really for you, the, the first step, and I know it's a big step, but the first step in, in making Jesus the lead story is starting a relationship with Him. You don't have to know what you believe on every issue. You just have to know what you believe on Jesus to do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Chris, how, how would I do that? How would I start a relationship with Jesus today? Well, just between you and God, just, just tell God. Just your heart to God right now, wherever you're at. Just tell God, God, I admit to you I've done things my way. 
Just tell God, I admit to you, I have sinned. I've disobeyed you. Just admit it. Just your heart to God right now. And then just tell God, God, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for me. Make it personal. Just tell God. And then just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching this or listening to this, just just say, God, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Save me now. If you're here with us this morning and you made that decision, there's a little decision card right in front of you. You can take that decision card as we close this last song out here in a second. You fill that out. And if you'll take that to the next steps table, we have a Bible that we'd love to give you. We have some material we'd love to give you to help you in your new relationship with God. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and there's a decision card there that you can fill out as well. God, I thank you for your patience with us. Lord, thank you for, Lord, when we get off track, you stay faithful and you stay loving and you don't abandon us. And God, I pray that today we would refocus ourselves on making you the number one lead story of our life and our church. In Jesus' name, amen.